from the other room my covid quarantine room <laughs> uh well, at, the, at the time this episode is being recorded i am currently in the laundry room of our airbnb <laughs> in wyoming during the climbers festival we managed to make it through doing our booth and our clinic before caitlin popped a covid test so now we are being we are practicing safe podcasting measures and remote recording from inside the same house so it's it's a fun time over here the virus that shall not be keeps making things interesting so here we are also if either of us sound like crap we've been hollering drinking too many beers and now caitlin's got covid so bear insult with to us. injury insult here. to injury indeed oh and also it's really frustrating because we had so many good in-person podcasts lined up that we kind of had to reschedule a little because we would like to keep our podcast guests safe and virus free so in any case welcome welcome to this edition of snack breaks today we are going to be talking about some tips for getting used to a new climbing area and caitlin do you want to share a little bit about your experience um on your unfortunately one and only day of climbing in lander yeah, it's it's pretty much a big disappointment to come all this way and get through the work part of the trip only to be like, surprise, your vacation is COVID recovery. So, <laughs> but the one, uh. yeah, the one day I got out, I, I mean, again, this could be related to the Rona. We're not sure, but it, yeah, it, it just felt like I, even though I knew what you know, what people told me to expect. I didn't actually know what to expect because I had never climbed here before. And I went into the climbing day after a really long weekend just being like, you know, I'm open for anything, but I didn't really have an objective. So I had a bit of an emo time on some routes, was pretty spooked and really didn't didn't handle it. I felt like I was a fish out of water. <laughs> and I think that happens to a lot of people. I've certainly had that happen to me um, on trips here in Lander. And this was coronavirus free, of course. Um, I've had this happen <laughs> to me. You know what I was thinking about as we were talking about recording this is that I have weirdly had to get used to a lot of new climbing areas just because of the number of times I've moved, you know, and it's never been like sandstone to sandstone no no it's been like sandstone in the red river gorge to like short bouldery weird stuff in Romney, new hampshire mm. and then moving out to utah and having to get used to like limestone and cobbles and maple and all these things so i think like i've had i've done my fair share of getting used to a new style and just getting kicked in the teeth a little bit as i learn yeah. new things um and i don't think you know I think a lot of people have not had to maybe move around as much as I have. And I think it's given me kind of a unique perspective on what it's like to go somewhere new, feel really fucking weird and then have to <laughs> get used to it. So I wanted to bring you all some, some tips about it um, from both the sort of science 
science brain side of things and some, you know, <laughs> very important mindset tips as well. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, oh, we should, we should introduce ourselves. Hi, hello. You're listening to the Average Climber Podcast. I'm Lauren. I'm a climbing coach. This is Caitlin. Caitlin, tell them who you are. <laughs> I'm I'm literally waving to the screen as if <laughs> like you could can see, see like oh hi hello double <laughs> hand wave. <laughs> oh my god. I'm Caitlin. I'm a certified nutrition specialist who works with climbers on their nutrition and fueling for performance. Sick. Okay, let's well, get into it. And also, Caitlin Caitlin has a sweet high altitude transition nutrition tip for you all at the end of this too. So this. This ain't just about moving on rocks. This is about not puking as you get there. So I'm feeling okay. Feeling okay. (laughs) Feeling just fine. Well, Lauren, I have a question for you. And I want to know just because I had such an emo day the other day, we I know we talked about it a lot. And I know that this is something that probably every climber has struggled with. And it's it is horribly frustrating in the moment, but why does getting used to a new climbing area feel just so hard? And even if like, if you feel like you have a lot of experience in climbing, why does it actually just feel so hard when you go to a new place? Right. Totally. Um, this is a great question. And there's a lot of things that are kind of more on the mindset side of the spectrum, but I wanted to start by laying out some facts for you. So you maybe have heard of this, maybe not, but there's this concept of proprioception. This is also referred to as kinesthesia. These are a lot of big words that simply, you know, in a lot of ways just mean understanding where your body is in space, understanding where you're at, understanding how much force you're applying. And, you know, it's kind of body awareness. And especially as it relates to perhaps the way you're grabbing a hold, sort of hand-eye coordination. So the interesting is our brain forms pathways. So maybe when we were a baby, the first time we looked at the handle of a door, right? We didn't go, oh, you turn that to the right and then the door opens. But as we grow up and experience more and more door handles, more and more different door handles, all kinds of door handles, we learn, okay, this handle, you turn the knob to the right. This handle, you push down on the top and it opens the door and you already know what's going to happen without even really having to think about it. Similarly, you can probably think of types of holds at your climbing gym, especially different types of holds that you're used to, um, and especially if they're all in the same color, right? You can look at the pink side pull hold at your gym and your brain already knows how you're going to use it. Your brain already knows where to grab the hold, all of these things. Now... When you go to an outdoor climbing area or, you know, to further the example, when you go to a climbing area that you've climbed at a lot, your brain has had so many chances to understand and create this library of experiences of, oh, usually if the hold looks like that, I'm going to be able to grab it like this, or this is going to be the best part of it or whatever it is. You've had all this experience either with gym holds or the rock type that you're used to, to understand how the hands and feet are going to work for you and how you're going to press on them. When you go somewhere totally new, you do not have this library, especially if it's a completely new rock type to you or a new style of that rock type. So that's why if you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to read these routes. I feel like a fish out of water. I'm climbing grades that quote, should feel easy to me. And I have no idea what's going on. This is, this is part of why 
that feels so strange. It's because we don't have as much experience with it and our brain doesn't automatically know how to grab or push or do these things. So hopefully that makes you feel better if you've had it a weird time. <laughs> does. Uh, yeah, I can just blame it on proprioception. Sounds Precisely. great. I love yes. it. You're like, my yeah. brain hasn't formed these pathways yet. That's why. <laughs> so it definitely makes sense. I feel like when I pulled onto that first route, I mean, I would call that negative star route, but <laughs> it was not, that might be one of the worst. Lander is a great place to rock climb. That was not a very good rock climb. And in the guidebook, it says not in so many words, but it is not advertised as a very good rock climb either. So I get it, but it was it the only chance available. So that's what we went with. Cause got to get warmed up on something, but in any yep. case, go on Caleb. <laughs> yeah. It just, it felt so uncomfortable and made me feel like I just, you know, you kind of have this like mini existential crisis where you're like, oh my God, is everything here going to feel this way? And oh, you yeah. just feel like so out of your element. So if you're going somewhere new and that is so uncomfortable, can you talk a little bit more about the benefits of climbing in new areas despite some of the, <laughs> the negatives we've talked <laughs> like, about? <laughs> if it sucks this bad, why the heck are we doing it? No, this is, this is very important because you kind of have to have a strong why, right? So what is the point of going somewhere new? Well, if you're going there to learn something, I think it's really important when you're going somewhere new, think about what do I want to learn on this trip? Because trips are hard. Weather's funky. You might get COVID in the middle of your trip, whatever. So if you have, the, <laughs> you know, if you have a focus of, first of all, what am I going to learn from this? How is this going to benefit my climbing in the long run? You don't have to send to learn something, right? So that's the first important thing to remember. And also in our climbing, if we can acquire more skills and more abilities and more familiarity with different rock types, we're going to have the ability to climb in more places and climb more things and climb on more styles and just have more rock climbs available to us. And I know that it, you might joke and say, I'm okay with being a one trick pony. Like the process of learning something new is so uncomfortable. I'd rather just only know how to do one thing. But in reality, is that really what you want? Probably not. You probably want to be able to be, you know, somewhat of a well-rounded rock climber. So part of becoming a well-rounded rock climber is going to places and getting your ass kicked, unfortunately. And it's got to happen. And it's, you know, but it's going to make you a better climber in the end. And as someone that has gone to a lot of new areas and been like, holy shit, I'm so sad that we moved here. I'm so sad that I live here now. I fucking hate the rock climbing here. Like this is going to suck and come out the other side being like, oh, I actually really like this area. I've climbed a bunch of great rock climbs and I've done this multiple times throughout my climbing career. I would tell you from my experience it is absolutely worth it, but you kind of got to be open to, like I said, having your ass kicked a little bit. Yeah, the ass kicking is uh It's real. <laughs> the ego has to catch up a bit, I think. Oh, or just absolutely simmer down. Precisely. Well, this can undoubtedly feel super frustrating. Do you have any tips for managing your emotions through the process of getting your ass handed to you? <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Okay, so I have a few tips. Obviously, it's totally okay to feel frustrated. And I'm not saying that feeling frustrated is bad. It's a really normal human emotion and you might feel it at some point, but there are a few tips to give you some perspective as you kind of go through this one, what you're going through is super duper normal. I talk to athletes about this all the time. We talk about setting expectations and going to a totally new area. Like 
you are not the only rock climber that's gone through this and you're having a normal experience, even though you, especially in the first few days at a new place, feel really weird. So if you feel like you don't know how to rock climb, it's okay. <laughs> if it feels like it's a new sport because of this new area you're in, you're having a normal time and you're not alone. Um, and like we said earlier, this is how your brain works. Second thing I want to point out is that comparing yourself to others is not going to be very helpful because guess what? If you just rolled up to the crag and you're watching a bunch of people where this is their local crag, their brains have already had a chance to calibrate and understand how to use these holds. They have had probably a lot more time than you to get used to it. Um, or they have a different climbing skill set or a different set of experiences that are lending their performance level to be different from yours in whatever way that might be. So if you can remember that comparing your one day data point to someone else at the crag, who's maybe having their best day of rock climbing ever, you know, it's not a good comparison from a data perspective. And it's also not going to make you any happier. So remember that you're there to learn and you're not there to beat yourself up. Right. Um, and the third thing I would say is be ready to adjust your expectations and know that having to recalibrate these as you get on certain routes is really normal and okay. I've definitely come into trips like, oh, I would like to try to get on this thing and do it within like the couple weeks that I'm here. And then I get on it and I'm like, oh, and then maybe, you know, I give it another chance. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to recalibrate my goals for this trip and I'm still going to get whatever learning objective out of the trip, but this is just not what I'm into right now and having to sort of change those expectations. So know that you might have to change plans when you get there based on how you're doing and how you're climbing. And then that's really okay. Because as long as you come in with the goal of these are the couple of things I want to learn, these are the skills I want to acquire, figuring out exactly what you're going to be climbing on to do that is, will sort of fall into place after that. Caitlin, do you have any other questions or any other things, you know, to, that you might think would help people in these situations, especially since you're kind of absolutely in the middle of it right now. So I would say just really acknowledge the last few tips that Lauren gave because I'm I'm like, okay, so didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I clearly thought that something was wrong, not normal, uh, compared to everything that was happening around me at the time. And oh, I also did life. not adjust my expectations. It was just like, you know, I could have walked away from it feeling like, oh, you know, new crag, day one, totally fine. I mean, hindsight, I wished I had had a better day because now I'm sick and I think I'm going to leave Lander without having really, like, explored the climbing. So you never know. You There's fishing, a lot of. Though. I did get to Ryan, go fishing. Caitlin and her husband Ryan have been fishing up the storm. No, I mean, but hey, it's a learning experience. And I think, like, from what you've been climbing on and just, like, being in, you know, New Mexico a lot, like, you probably haven't had to like deal with a ton of new climbing areas as of late. So I'll share nope. a quick story of my, you know, my first week and a half in El Salto, Mexico, which, oh, by the way, is not a place that has the, you know, because usually what I tell people when they're going to a new area, I'm like the first couple days, you might be climbing well below like your hardest, whatever. And you might just need to get on a lot of moderates to get used to things. The fun thing about El Salto and where I'm at in my climbing is that like, most there's a handful of 511s and other than that it's like okay 512 minus is your warm-up which for me is not necessarily mm. like the most optimal warm-up grade when I'm projecting like 512 mid to high 512 right so it's not you know and I'm also surrounded by 
you know, it's a hard crag. So the average climber there is climbing mid to high 513, 14 minus. And I'm like, yep. I feel like a fool here. And the first 10 days, and it's also really weird climbing. There's a lot of tufas. It was a lot of shit that I've just never really experienced or haven't climbed on a ton. And I just felt like a fish out of water. And I remember talking to everyone and everyone was like, there is a very steep learning curve here. For me, it usually takes one to two weeks of climbing three or four days a week at least to feel like I actually get the style and can move functionally. And I know that's a really frustrating amount of time to hear, especially if you're a weekend warrior or someone who doesn't get, get to get outside a lot. But having had the transition to getting to go on these longer climbing trips, I can absolutely say that, yeah, it takes time to feel like you get the style and can climb close to your limit um, and feel normal. So it sucks, but you something you got to get through in a way to like set your expectations. So Caitlin, I want to, I want to turn it to you real fast because yeah. part of the fun of Lander, even though, you know, Salt Lake, I lived at 5,000 ish feet and climbed mm -hmm. sometimes in the seven and eights, you know, up in American Fork Canyon, but it's a, we're up at some altitude up here in Lander. And I definitely felt more lethargic than anticipated yep. on some of these hikes. Also, it is Hotsville fucking Mars here. Oh my Jesus It is Christ. so hot right now. Ugh. I am very sweaty. I want everyone to appreciate this episode. Join this Patreon because I am sweating in a laundry room that is on air conditioned <laughs> when it's about a billion degrees outside. <laughs> well, it's hot. Anyways, like, okay, that was our segment where we bitch about how hot it is. What yeah, like, do I have a hot? fever or is like, it hot? Like, am I in, it's funny because our Airbnb has a sauna and I thought about getting in it today and then I was like, Bitch, it is 100 degrees outside. You do not need Just to sit in the sun. sauna. Just sit in the sun and get sunburned. I'm also tan. It's very weird. In any case, Caitlin, <laughs> what tips do you have? Actually, okay, can I throw a curveball? What tips do you have for being really hot and sweaty and also for <laughs> elevation change when it comes to nutrition? Now that we're talking about both. <laughs> yeah, well, with elevation, there's kind of a couple things to keep in mind. Sometimes it might either be just that there's lower oxygen content in the air or and or it might be cold so here in hot what did you call it hots hotsville mars hotsville <laughs> mars yeah uh that's you know obviously we're not necessarily concerned about the uh cold per se right now but there are a couple things that we do need to take into account for higher elevation especially with our nutrition so i'll just kind of rip through them and yeah, we'll, we'll yes. go from there. Ooh, I am already looking at these notes and I'm, like, I'm about <laughs> to learn some stuff. Hell yeah. Ooh. So the first thing that's really important to acknowledge is that you have to consume more calories. That should go without saying in general, but especially at higher elevations in, let's say you're on a multi-week trip, uh, this is something that you do have to adjust for anyway, probably because of increased expenditure in terms of energy, but also when you're at high elevation, uh, something happens, what's called your resting metabolic rate. This increases. So your resting metabolic rate is about 70% of your total daily energy expenditure. And when you're at high elevations, this actually increases by 15 to 25%. So that's a lot of extra calories that if you're not taking in, you will feel tired as heck. And this will ideally subside in one to three weeks. But, you know, if you're also really pushing it, you have to be consuming more anyway. So 
there's kind of a lot to consider there, but just baseline getting calories you need, taking in more than you might think. Okay, I have and, a quick question about this. Yeah. So with us, so we're probably, I can't remember what the town of Lander's at, but I think it's like, I think it's about 5,000. Don't mm-hmm. fact check me on this. My <laughs> brain hurts. We taught a clinic this weekend. But I think it's about 5,000. So if we're like spending maybe half the day up at like a higher elevation between like 9 and 11, is that like, I guess when it comes to higher elevation, is it kind of like the amount that your elevation changes or are there like absolutes with, you know, if you're at 10,000 feet, it's going to be 25%. I'm sure it's not that exact. Was it, is it mostly just your body expends more energy because of adapting to the elevation change? Yeah. So even, I mean, even if Lander is at 5,000 feet, you have to imagine a lot of people are coming from sea level potentially. So there still could be quite a change there. And even if you're going back and forth between, you know, 5,000 and 10,000, it's still important to remember that you are climbing at a high elevation. So you're expending more energy. And by nature of your resting metabolic rate, that is just increased more so and the other I mean that even gets us into macronutrients so some surprising things there beyond just calorie needs we got to get more carbs and that is because carbs are used at a faster rate and again this could be due to temperature changes if it's cold which it's not here but the cold Uh, creates more energy expenditure because our body is trying to keep us warm. But it could also be related to hormone changes, things like adrenaline and cortisol, which can also increase our usage of carbs. So what I would say here is to get at least 60% of your daily calories from carbs. And this could be during your trip, could be leading up to the trip and during, but especially focusing and emphasizing And this doesn't mean that we need to decrease our protein and fat because, again, like we talked about, we have to increase calories. So your protein and fat should stay fairly stable. It just means eat enough of all of your macros. Sweet. Okay. So basically, it's kind of like eat the same amount of food. And then if you're going to add more calories, probably add some more carbs at least. And add more of of everything, but especially carbs. Sweet. That's easy to do with gas station Gatorade so (laughs) absolutely you can totally drink your your carb calories for sure yes love that sweet okay what about iron can you tell us a little bit about iron yeah so what's interesting about iron is that if you already have low levels of iron which weirdly enough a lot of athletes do have low iron Mm -hmm. Um, this could be due to a number of things that I won't really get into, but if you are, <laughs> it's a snack break. We'll come back with full length later, <laughs> but um, low iron can make you fatigue really quickly. So you want to make sure that when you go into your trip, you've been consuming more iron rich foods, uh, but also during your trip, if you can add mm. things like meat, fortified products, Um, like grains and cereals come to mind. You might also do beans, spinach, and eggs. That'll help to make sure that you do have enough iron, which will help you have better performance and less fatigue as well. Okay, I have another quick iron question. So so for example, because I'm kind of trying to wonder like what good looks like when it comes to iron. Because let's for example, some protein snacks will be like 
high protein. And then you'll look at the pack and you'll be like, this has three grams grams of protein. So my like mental benchmark for like, if I'm looking for a protein snack, my mental benchmark for like decent amount is like seven grams per serving. Is there like a Mm -hmm. similar number for iron that you'd look for? Even if something's like advertised as like high iron, like, is there a number where you'd be like, look out for this? Like, this is actually good amount of iron or whatever no i would say not necessarily like a benchmark amount um i don't the numbers off the top of my head are escaping me but i do think that just making sure you get a variety perhaps at each meal during the day Mm -hmm. maybe in snacks is a, a good way to go women will tend to need more iron than men just because of menstrual cycles But overall, if you are combining these different foods throughout your day, you're probably getting enough. And if you are a plant-based athlete, that might be a different story. Um, Plant-based athletes tend to be a bit lower in iron. So you can increase the absorption of plant-based iron. It's called non-heme iron, and that can be increased in absorption with things like vitamin C, for example. So just combining lots of fruits and vegetables with these high iron foods could be helpful in mitigating any any low iron potentiality. Sweet. Okay. What about last thing? Let's talk about staying hydrated. Yep. Hydration is a big one. For being when you're too hot and when you're up too high and someone turned the air off, as yep. we were joking at the crag, someone was like freezing and they came in and they're like, who turned the air off? And I was like, I don't know, but someone did turn the air off. So how do we hydrate, Caleb? Yeah, well, it's interesting to make the point of with hydration is that water losses tend to be greater with higher elevations. So mm-hmm. we want to make sure that we are getting enough each day. And for a lot of people that might look like anywhere from three to five liters per day. This will change, of course, if you're sweating a lot, just because you're expending additional water. But another thing to keep in mind is that adding electrolytes could be beneficial too. There's a lot of research out there that actually suggests that this can help counteract the negative effects of elevation and keep that water in your cells and keep you, uh, you know, pumping your blood and making it less viscous. So that's, that's a perk. Sweet. I love it. Well, I think, I think we could probably wrap it up there. So there you have it. Caitlin is currently coughing, but she's doing a great job (laughs) hiding it from whatever. So, all right. Mute. Uh, Excellent with that mute button. Awesome. Cool. Well, that is some tips for you all. If you're going to somewhere higher elevation and if you're just mentally and emotionally preparing yourself for some of the interest, interesting things that can happen when you're climbing in a new climbing area. Caitlin, do you have any announcements that you want to share with people before we sign off on here? Yeah. Well, at the time this is being published or created, recorded words today, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> Ah, um, I have just released a series of ebooks, and I have one on nutrient timing, another one on road trip fueling, and an additional one on plant-based fueling. And there might be some additional surprises coming out, but 
if you want to check those out, those are uh, listed at the link in our show notes. And they're super great with lots of information for you, but also actionable items as well. So get in on that. Heck yeah. All right. Let's see. On my side of things, I just want to say shout out to everyone that came to our clinic at the Lander Festival. This is our first in-person clinic. We had so much fun, so much fun, in fact, that we are going to turn this clinic into a virtual intensive that'll be coming out later this fall. So we'll be dripping news about that, but the average climber intensive is coming and we're getting really excited about it. Um, a lot of y'all bought our merch. People have been, we're both wearing the crop tops right now. People have been complimenting. We sure figuring out how to get merch to your doors here pretty soon. And then on my side of things, um, let's see, Training plans are full for the summer, but I do have about three spots left for custom plans starting in September. And then I think I'm a little over half full for starting in October and November. So I told y'all things would fill up and I was right. Um, so if you want to work with me on a custom plan basis, I would get on that soon. I'll have details about that in the show notes. And then if you're like, well, I want to start a training plan right now. I got, I got self-guided training plans for boulders, sport climbers, and or strength and finger training available as well. So those are always around. Take the quiz, find out your climbing theme song. And I think, I think that's all we got. That's all I got. And Caitlin, you think of anything else? I think that's it. Nope. That's all she wrote. All right. That's all she wrote. Well, thank you for tuning in to this snack break. We keep being like, they'll be under 20 minutes. And then we're like, they'll be yes. under 30 minutes. <laughs> Sorry. They'll be less than an hour. <laughs> but in any case, hope you enjoyed the snack break. And until next time.